0: Welcome back to the Startup Showdown podcast, where we discuss pitching, funding, and scaling startups. Join us as we interview winners, mentors, and judges of the monthly $120,000 pitch competition powered by Panoramic Ventures. We also discuss the latest updates in software, Web3, healthcare tech, fintech, and more. Now sit tight as we interview this week's guests and their journey through entrepreneurship.
1: We canter here, another episode of Startup Showdown, and this is going to be a good one. But before we get started, it's important to recognize our sponsor, Panoramic Ventures. Without them, we couldn't be sharing these important stories. Today on Startup Showdown, we have Jake Schuster with Gemini Sports Analytics. Welcome, Jake.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Well, I'm excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us about Gemini Sports. How are you serving folks?
0: Yeah, we, um, we are a data science as a service company. So we are making predictive analytics accessible. And what we mean by that is... You know, uh, most people have seen the film Moneyball that took place 20 years ago uh, when the Oakland Athletics used mathematics to get an advantage on their opponents and win more games. Um, But 20 years ago, they were collecting about 50,000 data points per athlete per year. Now that number is between two and three million. And sports teams are hiring lots of data scientists. So we encourage that. But just just hiring more and more would be like asking Henry Ford for a faster horse. Um, Someone's got to build a car. There are... Automated machine learning platforms which allow non-technical people to do data science without having to write computer code, but they're generic uh, to industry and sports people won't really use them sports executives won't go pay for those platforms and use them because they're not quite user friendly enough for their needs and their technical level and they don't contain. Um, APIs or data ingestion pieces for um, the the sports data that's being collected by these teams. So there's too many steps for them to really harness that technology. We're just bringing that kind of vertical SaaS approach into sports.
1: So what is the type of data that is important to uh, these teams?
0: Anything that will help them better, make better decisions in how they acquire, develop, and manage their athletes. Um, so if you're a, a professional baseball team in, in North America, you're going to want to figure out which players to draft and which players to sign. You're going to have long-term development plans for those athletes that you need to optimize. And you're going to want to keep those those athletes injury-free and performing their best. And finally, you want to know which tactics um, to play against different opponents and to optimize across your season. So any data that's going to help improve that process.
1: And then where what kind of universe of data do you pull from to get that kind of information you need to assess that, okay, let's start Bill today and then Bob tomorrow?
0: Yeah, great question. So, you know, you'd be surprised how few or how common data sources are that most teams are collecting. Um, every sport has a scouting database. Every sport has an in-game statistics database. And then every sport will use, you know, let's say about a half dozen of the same uh you might call them biometric or performance and medical technologies. So um, jump tests that they do daily uh, GPS and accelerometry metrics of how much an athlete's running in game or running in practice and therefore how hard they're working, heart rate. Similarly, sleep is measured often um, and lots of nutrition and psychological metrics um, are taken these days. And then each league has some specific stats like um, something called second spectrum and basketball. And it looks at their indoor movement tracking, um, and, and other technologies that you see in different sports.
1: So then the teams for existing players, they have access to certain data. And then there's probably just public information, right? That you're, you know, these people are being filmed, um, you know, playing the game. Exactly. So there, there's data there. Um, how do you kind of help them kind of, first of all, take that public information and marry it to the private information that you might have and then, and use that to make an informed decision whether, Hey, maybe this guy's hurt and he's not telling us, (laughs) but Mm. because I'm getting data that suggests that something's a little off, but like, like how is it used practically on a day-to-day basis?
0: Well, our platform on a day-to-day basis, it's important to understand that this is a tool in a user's hands. Uh, Existing, uh, I don't like to use the word competitor because no one's done what we're doing before, but uh, existing technologies out there are often third-party or consulting style where uh, they have to send you the data and and then someone's going to play with it and get back to you with insights we are entirely putting capabilities in the stakeholders' hands. So, um, you know, we do a lot of, you know, back-end work that we automate and scale in terms of data preparation, making it easy to join databases and those different data sets that you mentioned. For example, our first piece of traction was publishing in an academic journal, um, publicly available data on NBA injuries over the last 10 seasons. It was the most accurate data model uh, ever published to date in that space. Um, and that was just to show that what we do is objective and academically backed. And it's, it's not a black box. It's, it's not a a secret sauce. We are just using open source data models and wrangling them into a space that it's easy for someone to use without writing computer code.
1: But then it's on the team to now take that data and then use it specifically to help them in some manner.
0: Absolutely. I mean, we believe this is not meant to be man versus machine. It's man and machine. And a lot of times you will see something where the computers are saying one thing and the executives are saying something else, and then this war takes place between departments. And that's not how it should be. It should be that the machines are giving you some some information and you're making human decisions based on that, not because of that or dictated by that.
1: So what's an example that the machine might help you make a better uh, decision because it's giving you pertinent information?
0: Sure. So our, our first pilot project we did with an NBA team where they wanted to know how to manage their busy schedule. The NBA schedule is famously uh, hectic and, and challenging and causes a lot of injuries. Um, and so you want to find where you can get a day off any place you can. Um, our algorithms show the, the wind probability of every game across the season based on travel, based on time zones, density, things like that amount of rest and so forth. And within them, It was very obvious how much better their star player was getting when he had a certain amount of rest. So we looked across the schedule and identified about 20 different times that they could give the player a pre-planned day off based on our metrics. And they got to pick the five that they wanted.
1: So like I use a Whoop fitness product. Mm -hmm. And then so it tells me like, hey, you have good recovery today. You have bad recovery today is that something that you can take that data and then and then integrate it into your data so that you know that if i'm having a bad recovery day and it's kind of near the time for this person to have a day off maybe we should make today that day
0: absolutely and and you know a, a, a number of teams are using Whoop. it's a little bit more consumer grade technology but they're using similar things that are a bit more precise and, and that's exactly how it works, where um, many people you might see tweeting or posting online, observing that, that their sleep metrics are very poor after they have alcohol the prior night. Um, in, in a similar situation with an athlete or, or with a basic consumer, the, the technology isn't saying don't drink. It might not even be that smart, but it's going to show you what happens when you drink. And then you or your coach or someone involved has to help you make the decision to not drink.
1: Now, is this primarily geared to professional sports leagues, or does this trickle down to college and high school?
0: Yeah, we're already uh, we're about to be able to announce a, a partnership with a, a Power 5 college that we'll be working with. I think high school doesn't quite collect enough, enough technology yet, although we'll probably work with some AAU groups. Um, college is absolutely a market that we're working in.
1: And then, um, so when you had the idea to do this, um, how did you kind of, create the company behind it to help and roll it out like what like um did you do this kind of on your own as bootstrapping hey i got this idea let me just play this out or were you like right away i'm gonna i'm gonna scale this thing and i'm gonna build the team
0: it was bootstrapped for a long long time um we you know self-belief and traction have a have a funny parallel journey together and um you know i had this idea back in 2019 and I've been talking about it with with my partner, Jose Fernandez, who's the head of sports science at the Houston Astros when they won a world series with the biggest analytics department in sports. And he saw this problem. He saw that they needed software on top of all those developers. And uh, we went around, we published this paper, we did a pilot project. I went full time uh, last August we raised a small small round of angel investment, put that into product design, um, and then went around with that product design and pitched venture capital and recently raised a million dollars combined from uh, lead sports like Nona Group, which is uh, the combination of the grandchildren of the founder of Adidas with the honor of a Premier League team, and Florida funders, who are the most active venture capital firm in the Southeast
1: now, was it always kind of just aimed at the the professional team or is it going to eventually trickle down to, you know, uh, gambling and fantasy football and things like that?
0: It's funny how often we get that question, Lee, and I I don't have a great answer. Um, My sense is that someday we'll build a parallel product in that space. Um, Everyone wants to know if if the numbers can can give more accurate uh, betting odds and things like that. I think the market is plenty big just to help out uh, elite sports teams around the world. But I'm sure some investor will convince me otherwise at some point.
1: Well, because if you're capturing this data and, like you say, it's self-serve, And if I'm able to take what exists that's in the public domain and then get an edge, I mean, that's what all of these, um, you know, games of chance, (laughs) that's what it's about, right? You want an edge. Without
0: question. Without question. I I think the important thing to understand why I'm I'm a little bit defensive about that notion is that, you know, trust is everything and, and data security is is paramount. And, and we've built out uh, redundancy after feature after redundancy in our platform to ensure the security of athlete data and proprietary team data, which obviously we know is important because we've been in those positions working for those teams. Um, there will come a, a point in time where uh, the value proposition becomes what my original idea for it was, which is this big snowball of combined data that teams want to plug into because thirty two. Thirty-two teams worth of data is a lot more useful than one team worth of data, Um, and the betting companies will be thinking exactly the same at that point.
1: Right, but even if the yours is just the proprietary individual team data combined with the public domain data, and if the consumer is just the public domain data, I mean, for a lot of people that would be enough for them to, I would think, have a subscription. Now, um, what's been kind of the funnest part of being a a founder and what's been the most challenging part?
0: The most fun part is easy. That's working with incredible people. And I know it's a cliche, but um, uh, being the least intelligent person in the room every single day is really fun. And this incredible caliber of advisors and investors and and employees that I work with um, just blows my mind every single day. Um, So that has just caused me to level up enormously as, as a person. Um, The least fun part is how I've come to accept this, but it's still not fun. People like you when you're winning and people don't, want to have as much to do with you until you're winning and and traction is everything and it's it's very interesting seeing who gives you the time of day at certain points and who doesn't Um, and i think you just learn that that's one of the few ways that the world works and you've got to run with it
1: now um for you as a founder um what's kind of your superpower that makes you the right person to lead this adventure
0: i know how to and i'm able to get the right people in the room at the right time.
1: And then um, as part of the fundraising process, um, which has its own job, obviously, but um, how did you kind of stumble upon Startup Showdown and Panoramic Ventures? Was that just part of your due diligence of looking out for, you know, opportunities to tell your story and, uh, you know, see who's out there doing what?
0: You know, when, when I, I I was trying to remember the name of, of who did it, and I, I apologize that I can't, but, um, someone put into the Miami tech life telegram chat run by Ryan Ray and Damian Blumio, um, some information about this event and, and encouraging people to apply. So I applied and then frankly, I forgot about it because I applied to a lot of stuff for that period of time. And then I, I got an email, uh, that I was, uh, I think at that time, a semifinalist and went through the rounds and, and then it happened. And, uh, you know, the support along the way from the likes of Stephanie and Tammy was, was amazing. And that that's what helped the group stand out.
1: And then, so what specifically were they doing where you were like, hey, this is a good use of my time. I'm glad I participated in this.
0: Well, if I remember right, if it was the semifinal kind of round where you had a, it was almost like a speed dating pitch. You gave your pitch, I think, five times in in a couple of hour period to a bunch of different investors. And they gave great feedback, each of them. They gave great criticism and great advice. Um, and, And all of it was useful
1: and do you have a mentor or is there somebody that's kind of your person that you're aiming at of this is the type of leader that I want to be or this is the type of leader uh that I can learn from
0: I have a lot of mentors, I would say, Um, you know, it it takes a village. My, my advisory group is incredible. Um, So whether that's my, my CFO, Johan van Wijk telling me about how to, you know, financially model and how we can move forward with this business really economically, or, or some of our angel investors and and advisors like Chris Haskell and Alec Coughlin and Joshua Tomey, who have all run multiple companies, all, you know, working and around professional sports and and all gone and done exactly what I'm trying to do. Um, I just observe how these people live their lives and run their business. And that helps me do, do mine.
1: And any advice for other startup founders out there?
0: Just keep going.
1: Just keep moving.
0: Be relentless, be persistent, persevere. Um, If I had to give a big cliche, it would be that um, whatever you're working towards is just on the other side of, of whatever you're, you know, you're working through right now. Like I really think pain tolerance is, is one of the most important qualities.
1: Yeah, that resilience, they don't teach you that in school. No. So uh, what do you need more of? How can we help?
0: I really appreciate you asking. I, I think being on this podcast is perfect because um, I think, you know, marketing is uh, is a luxury, um, not a necessity at such an early stage. And we're really fortunately that, uh, you know, our first 25 customers are all going to come from direct relationships that we have right now. Um but what happens next? Right. So in general exposure and, and general awareness of people about Gemini Sports Analytics is always uh, appreciated. So I, I think being right here is great.
1: And if somebody wants to learn more, uh, get a hold of you or somebody on the team, what's the website?
0: Yeah. GeminiSports.ai. And I'm at Jake at GeminiSports.ai.
1: Well, Jake, thank you so much for sharing your story. You're doing important work and we appreciate you. Thank you, Lee. All right, this is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Startup Showdown.
0: As always, thanks for joining us and don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Startup Showdown podcast so you get the latest episode as it drops wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more and apply to our next Startup Showdown pitch competition, visit showdown.vc. That's showdown.vc. All right, that's all for this week. Goodbye for now.